today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. The principle is this. You don't break it, it breaks you. You're generous with others. Guess what? They're going to be generous with you. And it goes both ways. You're stingy with others. When the time comes, they're going to be stingy with you. With the measure you use, that will be the measure that they use. It goes both ways. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes. All too often, we're quick to justify our own selfish actions. But if someone else wrongs us, we can feed and maintain that grudge for years. As we'll be reminded in today's message from Pastor J.D., in whatever measure you give, you should expect to receive. As a follower of Christ, let grace be the thing that you give. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, by way of a introduction of sorts and a devotional thought by way of an introduction, I always like to kind of talk about first the, the takeaway from the chapter. And each chapter, it seems, has a word fitly spoken for every single one of us. And what we're going to see in this chapter is that Solomon, now as we near the end of the book, Solomon is nearing the end of his quest to find the purpose in life, the meaning of life, absent God under the sun, S-U-N. And what we're going to see in this chapter is that he's coming to conclusions and observations specific to the importance of seizing the opportunities in life. There are two words that are going to be kind of coming out recurring themes throughout this chapter, and the two words are don't wait, don't procrastinate, If the Lord has presented you with an opportunity, act on it. Seize that moment. Every opportunity that the Lord presents, and the Lord presents opportunities to us. And really it is on us. The onus, as it were, is on us. In the sense that we can either act on that opportunity or not act, and in so doing we miss the opportunity that the Lord had presented to us. Another thing that's going to come out of this chapter is someone who, towards the end of their life, as Solomon is, is sort of expressing regrets, the, the, the past regrets that I should have done this but I didn't. And as we get to the end of the chapter, and 
I've been really seeking the Lord, inquiring of the Lord concerning the end of the chapter. There's only 10 verses in this chapter. Don't get excited. We'll be here for a couple hours. So it doesn't mean (laughs) that it's going to be, it might be a short chapter, but that's not synonymous with a short teaching. But uh, there's so much here in this chapter with only 10 verses, but I've really been seeking the Lord, inquiring of the Lord concerning the end of the chapter, because Solomon sort of turns this abrupt corner and starts speaking to young people. And this is from the perspective of someone who is older speaking. It's almost like you, um, what's that word in, in uh, Hawaii that you use when you, uh, when everybody get kanapila or, ka, what is it? Kani kapila. Thank you so much. I don't know how many times I've asked my wife that question. She's told me 132 times and I can never, I can't pronounce it. So what my sister said, that's what it is. Kani kapila right? No, not bad. But isn't that when there's a a gathering together? Is it playing music together and fellowshipping together? Talking story? Is that, would that be considered that? Okay, well this is what this is with Solomon. We're we're all kind of gathering together. Uncle Solomon is going to sit down. Somebody's got the ukulele over here. How am I doing? Pretty good? I hope I'm not botching it or ruining it. (laughs) But we're all going to sit down And here's the sage. Here's someone older and wiser, and we're just going to sit and listen to what he has to say. You know, there's a great respect in this culture, and I have a a great appreciation for this, because it's the same in my Arab culture. You know, in Hawaii we show great respect for the elders, right? So that's kind of what we're seeing Solomon as here tonight. Here's this elder, this older man, this wise man, very wise man, obviously. And we're just going to listen to what it is that he has to say to us. Give us good advice. And he's going to, it's going to get a little bit uncomfortable because what's going to, again, come out of this is his the state that he's in. As one said he's in a backslidden state. That's fine. I would argue and take it a step further and suggest that he's still running from God at this point. He's disillusioned, disgruntled, disenchanted. He's had all the women a man could ever want and more. (laughs) He's had all the money and wealth and riches a man could ever want and more. He's had supernatural wisdom, other world wisdom from God, like no other man has had before. And yet he's coming to the end of his life. He has sought to find the meaning and the purpose of life absent God. And it's not working that well for him, as in case you haven't already noticed. So here's why I wanted to talk about this specifically. I think you would agree that the opportunities that we have as Christians in the world today is the likes of which we have never seen before, and probably the likes of which we will never see again. On Sunday mornings, as of late, the Lord has really impressed upon my heart with the prophecy updates to get as many people to Jesus as quickly as possible while there's still time. 
This is the grandest of opportunities that we will ever have. And people are searching. And people are asking questions, and they're the right questions, and they're good questions. And every single one of us should be at the ready with an answer to give to everyone of that hope that lies within us. We continually receive numerous emails and comments from people all over the world telling us about how a family member, a friend, a classmate from many years ago is calling them. Why? Because they're the Christian. And they're asking questions like, does the Bible say anything about what's going on? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. And here's the thing, they're coming to Christ. You know, I, I pray for my family. I have a huge family, by the way, a huge Arab family in uh, Spokane, Washington on the mainland. And my prayer is that God will send somebody to them that can speak into their lives, be a witness to them, because I'm not the vessel. I mean, you know how it works, right? Come on, I, I remember you when you were this big. I changed your diapers. That just, that's it. You're, you're, you're done. <laughs> how are you going to, can I just share with you? What are you going to tell me, boy? little whippersnapper. The common denominator in this chapter is going to be this. Now's the time. If not now, when? There's a time called too late, as we're going to talk about in a moment. If not you, who? Is his deliverance going to come from another, as Mordechai said to Esther? Are you going to miss the opportunity? Because listen, God's not going to miss it. You just have the profound privilege of being used, and God's presenting you with that profound privilege and that opportunity for such a time as this. And again, the onus is on you, the onus is on me. What are you going to do with that opportunity? Are you going to step out by faith, trust God, and do it? Or is God going to have to find somebody else? Because you'll find somebody else, and deliverance will come from another, and somebody else will have the privilege of the profound privilege, the unspeakable privilege of leading someone to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ that you could have led, but didn't. And you missed the opportunity. Well, let's jump in. That was quite, a, quite an introduction, I guess, but hang on, buckle up. It's going to be a, a rough ride. Verse 1, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a serving, verse 2, to seven, and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. Okay, well, right out of the chute, we have those two words, don't wait. Or if you prefer, don't procrastinate. If you have the opportunity to give, give generously. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Like James says, don't say, be warm, be well fed. If you have it within your power, Jesus said, to give to someone something or pay them what you owe, don't tell them, uh, I'll do it tomorrow. No, do it now. Don't put it off. Don't wait. 
Don't wait to generously invest in and give to other people. Give to seven people. Give to eight people. Because here's what's going to happen. And this is one of those principles that you don't break. It breaks you when you go up against it. It's that textbook example of the ocean liner at sea, this big, huge ship at night. And it sees in the distance a light. And it's headed straight for it. It's on a collision course with it. So the captain of the ship radios ahead, says, hey, I'm, you know, whatever the title is, and you need to change course or we're going to crash. The response comes back, I'm not going to change course. You change course. Doesn't he know who I am? I am the captain. This is my ranking. You change course. To which the response comes back, no, (laughs) you're going to change course. I'm a lighthouse. I'll give you a moment on that one. (laughs) That's God's Word. Immovable. You go up against it, guess who's going to break apart and crash and burn? You, not the lighthouse. You kidding me? What was that? Oh, a ship crashed up against the, the rocks. I hate it when that happens. The principle is this. You don't break it, it breaks you. You're generous with others. Guess what? They're going to be generous with you. And it goes both ways. You're stingy with others. When the time comes, they're going to be stingy with you. With the measure you use, that will be the measure that they use. It goes both ways. There's another dynamic here, and I think it's good to be noted, and it has to do with giving now. Now's the time. Don't put it off. It was the late Larry Burkett, the founder of Christian Financial Concepts. And he had this saying, and it just has always stuck with me. And it's so true. It goes like this. Do your giving while you're living so you're knowing where it's going. I think that's what Solomon is saying here. Now's the time. Don't wait till you're dead. I know that's, you know, blunt, but it's true. How many, oh man, I've done... I didn't intend to go there, but I I already did. So I've done so many memorial services, sadly, almost without exception. In fact, I was thinking about this the other day. I don't know that I could count on one hand how many memorial services I've done where the family wasn't at war over the money that was left behind. Oh, it's so sad. It's just heartbreaking. The siblings, I mean, it just comes out. And you know what's even sadder is it's many years after where those relationships as siblings have been so damaged as to never be the same again over money that was left behind. Oh, would to God that the one who leaves it behind has already in place a plan in anticipation of it to where it's already taken care of. And by the way, 
Um, be generous. I think those two words just stand alone. Be generous. Don't be, don't be stingy with people. Be generous with people. Just be generous with people. Bless them. Yeah, but man, that's a that's a lot. I'm gonna, you know, can I just can we can we negotiate? What what is this a what, what, buying a car? Reminds me of that story when the buyer was sitting with the salesman at the car dealership buying this car, and they were going to finance it. And the uh, salesman says, "Your payments are going to be six hundred dollars a month." And the buyer said, "Man, can you do that any lower?" He said, your payments will be $600 a month. (laughs) Verse 3, had a flashback from my car days. I'm back with you now. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And, listen to this, if a tree falls to the south or the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it shall lie. Let me, let me try that again. <laughs> In the place where the tree falls, there it shall lie. Oh, that's deep. Duh. Wh- what are you talking about? It reminds me of that guy when, you know, his friend sees me and says, hey, what are you doing here? And his response was, well, everybody's got to be somewhere. I'm here. Everybody's got to be somewhere. A firm grasp of the obvious. No, he's going somewhere with it. And verse 4, we'll see where he's going with it. He says, He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. You know what he's saying here? There's those two words again. You ready? Wait for it. (laughs) Don't wait. You know how we are, it's kind of like, well, I'm going to just kind of wait till things are maybe a little bit better. I'm going to wait for better conditions. I'm going to see where the, the tree falls, what direction the wind goes, and I'm just going to see how, play it by ear. I'm going to play it by ear. We like that one. Just kind of, you know, wait for better conditions. No. Don't wait for better conditions. You have no control over which direction the tree falls, and you have no control in which direction the wind blows. So if you're waiting for, man, the the wind, I'm waiting for the wind to be perfect. I'm waiting for that tree. I just got to see which way it goes here. You know that saying we have, I'm sorry if this offends anyone, but let the chips fall where they may. I hope that's not a gambling metaphor, is it? Can we just sanctify it? (laughs) Let the chips fall where they may. You have no control over how the chips are going to fall, where the tree is going to fall, where the wind is going to blow. Oh, you're waiting until the conditions are right, and then you're going to act? You're going to be waiting a long time. And that even presupposes that you're actually going to even do something, because you're just waiting around. Just it's not quite right yet. Indulge me for just a moment. I, 
I sought the Lord about this too, and I think it's apropos. When I was younger, I had friends. I know it's hard to believe I actually had friends, past tense. But um, these friends were all, you know, we were young in the Lord. I love that time, fond memories of being young in the Lord. You know how zealous you are, how on fire for the Lord you are. Oh my goodness, all you can talk about is Jesus. You have no theology, you have no doctrinal grounding. All you could say was, Jesus is real. (laughs) Jesus is really real. Jesus is really, really real. That's all you knew. And then people got saved. Wow. Childlike, you know, just the innocence, the, the simplicity of those times. You know how it is when you get older, life gets complicated. You kind of look back on those days when you were younger and life was simpler. Well, it was at that time, I want to say we were probably in our 20s, maybe early 20s, and there was this discussion of, yeah, I'm going to get established first and, you know, kind of get my career going and, you know, be just more financially stable, and then I'm going to serve the Lord. Really? I'm not going to hold my breath. Um, No, you're not. No, you're not. Because here's what, what happens. We try to get our ducks in the row. I hope that's not another, i got to be careful with the metaphors, but isn't that kind of a, uh, an analogy or a you know, saying where you just kind of get everything in order? You get your life in order, get all your ducks in a row. Listen, have you ever had all your ducks in a row? Can you remember a time in your life when you just looked, wow, all my ducks are in a row. I, I haven't. If you have, can I talk to you afterwards? I'd like to know how, how you did that, first of all, and how that, how that worked out for you, because I've never had that happen all my life. Oh, I've come close. They're almost in a row, and then it's almost like God says, oh, it looks like you almost have your ducks in a row. Yeah. God's like, cool. Not anymore. God, what are you doing? I had my ducks in a row. I know it's a silly way to illustrate it, but I think you get the point. What Solomon is saying here is, those who would say, I'll serve the Lord when I get all my ducks in a row, the reality is you'll never sow. That's what he says. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D., The book of Ecclesiastes can seem daunting at first, but once you understand the heart behind the writer, it becomes inspiring. And who doesn't need to be inspired in their walk with Jesus every now and then? As you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, be encouraged to evaluate your life and the things you hold close to your heart. If you find the material things are closer to your heart than Jesus, be still before the Lord and ask Him to draw nearer to you. He's faithful, and He'll meet you where you're at. If you haven't yet found a home church, we'd like to encourage you to make that a priority. 
You were never meant to do life alone. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to visit us. You can join us for a time of worship at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more and get directions at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings, as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. You can also find Pastor J.D.'s ABCs of Salvation there, a great way to share the simplicity of the gospel message with friends and family. That's all available at our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. Join Pastor J.D. next time to learn more from Ecclesiastes right here on In Spirit and Truth.